Welcome to the RHP Market Talk podcast, episode number 24, brought to you by Royal Harbor Partners Wealth Management, located along the beautiful Gulf Coast of Houston, Texas, serving families across the country. I'm Natalie Pika, founding partner. I'm Glenn Royal, founding partner. And I'm Jason Struzeski, investment analyst. And so welcome back to our listeners. Super excited to sit down with Glenn and Jason today and have have some conversation. We are recording this the day after, on November 9th, of uh, the midterm elections, and it is the day before the big CPI print. So Glenn said earlier, this is no man's land. Where yeah. are we? We still have, you know, we still got some election results coming out. I saw an, an interesting little blurb this morning in, in Bloomberg. That they're not calling it the red wave. It was the red ripple. <laughs> so you know how they are. They've always got to find a little phrase to, to throw out there. So why don't we kick it off with that? I know we've got quite a bit to talk about today, but, you know, a lot of clients will come to us and say, okay, you know, we're in the midterms. What is that going to mean for markets? What if we get this? What if we get that? And, you know, a lot of times we'll just say, well, going in either direction, markets not may not necessarily do anything, right? But let's talk a little bit about that. We didn't get the red wave like like some were thinking. Yeah, the red um, ripple. I like how you put yeah, that. Yeah, the red that's, ripple. That's what, what they were saying. Ripple. Yeah, and that, that's a good point. Uh, we do hear this a lot. A lot of folks are thinking that politics has a heavy hand in markets, and, and it does. But what we've seen in the last several cycles is we have a divided nation, so we tend to have divided governments. Right. And divided governments are hard to get things done. So we're kind of in that situation. We didn't have the red the roll. Red, the red wave. wave. Like we had a red ripple. Red ripple. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and that, so when we look at that, what the setup that's happening right now is that it looks like the Dems may con- retain control of the Senate. There's still going to be some time for those elections, the uh, results out of Nevada and Arizona to, to come out. Mm-hmm. But it definitely looks like the Republicans have, have won the House. However, not with the great majority that way that we talked about wasn't there. So you're kind of just flipping the role of the House, where the Dems have been in control with a very thin majority the last few years. Now the Republicans are in that position with a thin majority. I do want to show in the Senate race, there's something that I am watching, and that is the way the, the lay of the land is, is if the Republicans are to win Arizona and Nevada, then the key race will be the runoff in Georgia on December 6th. And that will be a very, very key date. Now, if the Republicans, then, excuse me, win Nevada and Arizona, Georgia doesn't matter. They have a simple majority. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. But neither party in, in the Senate has a supermajority. So you're not going to be able to get big legislative pieces through. You're still going to get the Senate, if it stays in the Dems' hand, to be able to do presidential appointments with a simple majority. Uh, so that'll continue to help the White House. On the Republican side, I think our greatest risk is that the setup with a divided house is next year in the third quarter of 23, we're going to come up against the debt ceiling again. Mm -hmm. And the last time we had this setup with Republicans in the house, the Dems in the Senate uh, was in 2011 and 13. And we went into, it disrupted the financial markets because they were, they weren't reinstating the debt ceiling. That's our risk right now. 
not so much that big legislative changes are going to affect policies. There aren't going to be big spending bills because ours can block that. There's not going to be you know tax right. cuts because the D's can block that. But you are going to look at the potential risk as a result of this as the third quarter of next year. Right. So that that's a very good point. So typically what happens when we see divided government, when we see gridlock, markets tend to be a little bit more favorable on that because that means nothing's changing. Nothing's that's getting true. done. Yeah, right? it's the physical so, yeah. Uh, policies that just aren't able to get through. So, you know, we'll look at the broader economy and go from there. Right, exactly. But then, you know, like you said, the debt ceiling, that's really the issue. That, and that'll be the third quarter of next year. Yes. So, okay, let's shift real quick over to what tomorrow brings, right? Because I think everyone from mm-hmm. a from a midterm election standpoint, and we, we see this across all administrations, right? We typically blame any particular administration for whatever the current economic ills are. And we're fixing to get a big indicator of where we are on inflation, right? Yeah, we have Tomorrow. been dealing with that. It's, that's that's our, you know, the 800-pound gorilla on our shoulder. But, Jason, exactly. you've been looking at that. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's it's all eyes on tomorrow. Really, anyone's guess at where we're going to be at. We would like to see things coming a little bit lower. I mean, the, the survey's coming in at about 7.9% uh, headline CPI. But really looking at the markets the past couple of weeks – Prior to the 75 basis point hike that we had last week, the Fed speak, the markets, they want to rally. They want to jump back in and they, not a full pivot, but a pivot in a sense where we're slowing down the rate of hikes. The market really wants it and we both sense it, but we got to remind ourselves we're not there. And Jerome Powell made that utterly, utterly clear in his speak. And there's plenty of work that still needs to be done. And something interesting to note, Powell mentioned the greater risk lies in ending too early versus over-tightening regarding the uh, the rate hikes. Yeah, they don't want to repeat Arthur Burns of the 70s who did exactly that. Yeah. Lightened up before the inflation had been under control, and then it reignited inflation, and then they had to go harder. Mm-hmm. So when, when we talk about all eyes on Thursday, we're waiting to see that change in CPI. We're waiting to see if this big old knockout punch is really going to affect the economy because the labor market still is strong. Right. You're seeing big cuts in tech, but those are the first areas to go where you have those growthier areas that are more affected by higher cost of capital. And we're waiting to see when that bleeds into the rest of the market and how it shakes out. And basically, when we start talking about the CPI and the interest rate hikes, we're also talking about recession, no recession. Are we there? Are we there? You know, not there yet. What's the terminal rate? That's a wild card this year because we could, you know, if you want to go with that old rule of thumb, two negative quarters, back-to-back GDP GDP. is recession now. The real rule on that is, is, you know, material impact in the economy. Yeah. Uh, You know, um, We've been surprised that CPI stays a little bit hot. Every, the data hasn't really rolled over given the amount mm-hmm. of Fed hikes we've had so far. And that's, that is our key risk to Jason's point right now is that that CPI comes in higher than expected then the market will reflect very, very negatively to that because it is really wanting the Fed to have control, start seeing the signs in the data, because underneath it, people want to go long. There's yeah, a bid. Right. You can yep. sense You it. can feel it. And at the same time, I, I, I t- we have to be sober-minded about this and be a little cautious, be a little slow. We have some cash built up in the portfolio on our equity side. We, you know, Recently, we've talked mm-hmm. about the change we've done in bonds, which has, has worked out really well. As a result of all this, we've got a pretty good setup for fixed income next year. 
And then equities right. are still a little bit questionable with all the volatility we have around well, and we, yeah. we Growth concerns, really uncertain at this point. Next year, I mean, you were kind of mentioning, we're not sure if we're in a recession, we're going into one, but all eyes leading. If you can't get inflation down, Jerome Powell has made it utterly clear that we need to get it down. Yeah. And what does that mean? That means killing jobs. Killing mm-hmm. jobs, raising rates, and killing financial conditions, you know, right. wealth reduction. What about the tie-in? And we, we, we were, the three of us were just talking about this a, a little while ago, is, is the impact of energy on that CPI number. You there, know? Well, gas prices have come up. You saw uh, Biden's yep. uh, you know, maneuvers on SPR again, talking mm-hmm. about releasing some of that, which is at the, what the reserves are. Yeah, in, important to note, down almost to 40-year lows. And that's the power level. Yeah. So to, that makes me feel pretty good. We're long energy. Mm-hmm. So I got a bid on energy by the federal government. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They got to exactly. replace that. So, they, yeah, they have yeah. to replace that. So, yeah. um, you know. Feel good about that space, but uh, you know that if CPI does come in uh, hot, look for this to affect the market. But on the other side of that coin, and this is where we are, is if if it comes in in the right trend, mm-hmm. and we're seeing anecdotal signs that it's going to use car prices as just perfect, plummeted. yeah, that's perfect example. Semiconductors, you're seeing housing shipping containers, yeah. housing's, yeah. housing's looking, looking better. better, housing prices across the board. Uh, the impact of the Fed is being felt. It's working, yeah. Uh, so, hey, I sit here and hope, you know, cross my <laughs> fingers and sit on my left shoulder and three three circles and all that stuff. But tomorrow's we have a nice print on inflation. We, I think, the markets are expecting a good print mm. given everything that's been done. So let let's just, I mean, let's do a total one eighty and talk about what's going on in crypto today because yeah. that's a that's not quite bright of a spot. Fun I'm times in crypto let, land. I'm going to let my <laughs> the generation that understands crypto discuss this one. So about a year ago, everyone and their sister wanted in on crypto. It was the hot doc. Oh, we got, we, got yeah, we got the calls. We got the calls for sure. It was the place to be. And this year we've been reminded over and over again why we do not want that and we don't condone it whatsoever. <laughs> More importantly, notedly, so this year you've had the collapse of multiple exchanges. But now, past several days, two of the largest exchanges in the crypto space have been battling, going back and forth with each other. So you have Sam Bankman Fried of FTX and Cheng Peng Zhao of Binance. Long story short, CZ for short, realized that there was a large amount of assets on FTX's investing arm of their company. And those assets were of its own digital coin. Now, to essentially wipe them off of the face of the earth, CZ made a material (laughs) sell, manipulated the market, and uh, SBF lost how many billion SBF lost $15 billion. uh, There was a letter of an intent yesterday for Binance to pick up FTX. Now they're balking, and now the U.S. is probing into FTX, how they were leveraging their clients' assets, and it's just an entire mess. And yesterday, so the, the reason why we bring this up, we're starting to see some early signs of contagion bleeding into equities. Now, yeah, people we, have to sell stocks for margin calls. Right. Exactly. Right. So, and we, we haven't seen that much traditionally in this huge crypto sell off. But it's something we're keeping an eye on as, you know, these crypto asset prices really get to almost a breaking point. And we're not fearful that it's going to make a material impact on equities. We've got bigger issues at play there. But uh, we're definitely well aware. And again, 
this is why we're uh, we're steering clear. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, two of the largest exchanges you know, going the, at war with each other. The uh, SBF, Sam Bank, they got. I love the CZ and SBF. Yeah. It's, it's wonderful how they <laughs> yeah. do this stuff. So FTX is an exchange that SBF owns. Then he had a proprietary trading house that was trading in the exchange that he owns. That would never be allowed in traditional no. Wall Street finance. Oh, yeah. So no. I kind of this morning, I you know, hey, Schadenfreude a little bit, I admit. But you've got the long <laughs> knives coming out and the crypto bros are, are killing each other right now. It's yeah. it's wild. We don't need regulation. They're they're just they're killing the industry it. They're, themselves. They're doing it. Yeah, yeah, right. But, I mean, but regulation is coming. You've already had the federal government going to investigate. Oh, the regulation is going to be just yeah. So, so you haven't even started. You come out of this is uh, all of a sudden possibly the, this technology that we all talk about, mm-hmm. the, the blockchain, it starts to come out. I saw there was a move the other day by uh, one of the trading commissions that they can use blockchain to shorten the linked currency uh, transaction settlement to mm-hmm. ten seconds. Oh wow! So yeah, that would be there's some cool stuff underneath right. all this crypto story. Right. The, te- that's the technology is real. I mean, oh, there's yeah. no yeah. doubt, uh, yeah. and there's no doubt in that. Yeah. It's just plenty of use cases, plenty yes, of applications absolutely. where it could save a lot of people a lot of money God. and time. Think about home titles. Yeah, titles. Home title business. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very very easy to track yeah. that stuff. So there's there's benefits, and that's one of the things we're looking from an investment case is how do I get in that Bitcoin ledger technology a little bit that that the cool stuff of Bitcoin tech. Right. Um, so, hey, I'm going to ask you something now. So today's all the joy about Bitcoin. It's all yeah. the news and pain and joy and all that. But you just came back from a, a trip in Denver uh, to represent the firm. You and Michelle went to the Schwab's Impact Conference. It's their annual conference where RAs like ourselves come from all over the country. But the question I have, Natalie, we're an RA. What are we? What is an RIA? <laughs> that is such a good question. Yeah. So last week was the Charles Schwab Impact Conference. It's one of the largest ones that happens in the country every year. It was it was a pretty epic moment big for everybody because, you know, this was the first time everybody got to come back again in, in person, which was huge. You know, I think we all have embraced technology over this last three years or so and doing things virtually. And that's great. But there really isn't anything like being in person. And so this was, you know, Schwab Impact is all about bringing RIAs together. Those are registered investment advisors. And that's what we are. We're an registered RIA. Registered with who? Uh, registered with the SEC. So, I, you know, I just kind of want to remind uh, all of our clients what that means. You know, we're a fiduciary and we're a registered investment advisor. That means we're independent, right? And so that's why we can have these conversations, these podcasts that we're having and being able to share those with clients and talk about the portfolios and the markets in the way that we do. Schwab is our custodian. I always say we hired them. They didn't hire us. And if at any point we want to make a change, we could do that. Whatever is in the best interest of the client as a fiduciary, it's always the the client's interest first above all else, right? That's what it means to be a fiduciary. But the conference itself really allows the RIAs around the country to come together to share best practices, to talk about what's going on in the space. And what I found really truly inspiring about it was that for the most part, RIAs really, really care about their clients, their families. I found that to be true. It's, you know, it's a pretty small world Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. And it's people like us that obviously we left a large firm in mid-2019 because it was all about taking care of our families and our clients and being able to have that independence to make the decisions that we knew would best affect 
that would have the most effect and the best effect on the families that we care for and we've been caring for, you know, for three and four generations. So it was really a, a cool experience to get to go out and just kind of share and exciting too. I mean, we're really kind of a baby firm if you think about our age, even though we have combined experience between all of us here, 75, 80 years. I don't know, those count because we're getting old. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, we've got a lot of combined experience here on our team, which is extremely valuable. But um, as an RIA, we're we're still fairly young. But it it was really impressive because we're doing a, a fantastic job. So when you look at best practices and what RAs are doing, RHP is is stands out. It does. I want to brag a little bit on you. Schwab had selected our firm as a representation of other RAs, what it's like, the RA experience. But then even further down as they chose you is the face of these RIAs that are making these changes. So tell me, what was it like when you walked out to do the (laughs) keynote presentation in front of 5,000 people in Denver? Well, I mean, it was very exciting. And I had the opportunity to introduce one of the keynote speakers on the main stage, Michael C. Bush, which, you know, I hope our listeners will go look him up because it's impressive. And uh, he is with great places to work. It was quite an experience. I, I will tell you the oddest thing about the experience was walking by my head which yeah. was about 20 feet tall and <laughs> and having to do a double take, you know, because my face was was all over the place. And the campaign, it really was at Schwab's camp campaign for just it's our in, the independence campaign. But it was it was a very cool experience. Yeah, and well, I, we're and, all proud of you. You, uh, did, you represented very well. Well, thank you very much. It, it was it was a lot of fun. And, and again, what I what I what I go back to saying is that what I've seen over the last year, year and a half being part of the campaign, but also you know, working up to this big conference is that RHP has really stood out in terms of what it looks like to be an RIA right now in this industry. And quite frankly, being independent, when we left in June of 2019, we had no idea what 2020 was going to look like. But when COVID hit, having that level of independence made us nimble. It did. And that ability is really key for, you know, what we do for our clients. So financial markets are fast. They change in a blink of an eye. Right. And RIAs have to be able to stay on top of that change. If you have independence, you have that ability to address it much more quickly. Right. Right. Better results for the clients. Yeah. So, I mean, all in all, it's been, it was a great week. I, it was super exciting. And, and I can't, you know, I can't talk anymore about just seeing how RHP is kind of uh, positioned among their peers and yeah. where this industry is going. I, that was something else I'd just touch on real quick that several different breakout sessions, lots of education, what the financial services, wealth management, financial planning, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's so many ways to talk about what we do, but the financial planning as an industry heard from several different CFPs, um, some from the CFP boards that talked about CFP as a whole is only about 50 years old. It's fairly young as an industry. And we're beginning to see how it's not just the, the mass affluent that need access to financial planning and personal financial services, but it really is everybody. Right. And figuring out the best ways to make it available and to create, at, at, at certain levels, they're creating entire 
degree programs now at the university mm. level specifically for financial planning. We're starting to see, there was a professor there that spoke a little bit about a PhD, where we're starting to see doctoral uh, thesis is being written and studying specifically, what does it look like if you actually have a healthier outlook on money and finances from a very young age? And what does that do? And how does that affect you longer term? That's and, interesting. Yeah, very, very interesting. So I think that uh, as an industry, where we are, where we're going and what the trends are, obviously, we're financial planners and investment managers. So we're going to tell you, you need you need to work with somebody like yeah. us, right? It, it makes well, a difference. Of course, but... you need to work with Royal Harbor <laughs> Partners. Who else would you want but to be really, with? But it's really starting to come out now in it's starting to sh- it's starting to kind of prove itself out in other ways is you know like i said research and career paths and things like that which is pretty cool it is cool so well we appreciate you representing the firm and oh, michelle out there with you too and uh i'm excited about the future for yeah RHB it was it clients. was really a lot of fun okay well i'm going to close this out and just want to say thank you to our followers for listening to rhp market talk If you have any questions or would like to discuss today's topics, please feel free to contact us through our website at royalharborpartners.com. At RHP, we're passionate about planning for your financial future. We're devoted to our relationships with multi-generational families for the creation of successful legacies. Through our one-on-one conversations, we can help you navigate your personal wealth management and investment journey. How different will your life look with the right advice? Royal Harbor Partners is a registered investment advisor, and the opinions expressed by Royal Harbor Partners on this show are their own. Registration of an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.